And so it's that time of year again, folks. We're just over halfway through 2023, and I've plucked out some of my favourite bits of the podcast from the year so far and bundled them all together into one special highlights episode, especially for you. Of course, as ever, uh, in our opinion, there's far too much to choose from. So I've tried to find a few clips that represent the wide range of guests, topics and laughs that we tend to have on this podcast every week. So what's coming up? Well, Jarlath Regan of the brilliant Irishman Abroad podcast will be talking about why he took up running during COVID, how beneficial it has been for his mental health and teaming up with Sonia O'Sullivan to make a whole podcast series dedicated to running. News Talk's Kira Kelly will talk about some of the obstacles that she faced being a woman trying to carve out a career as a broadcaster. And we also talk about the perilous nature of expressing opinions these days. MEP Maria Walsh talks about coming out publicly right after winning the Rose of Tralee. And Keith Duffy talks about the very, very early days of Boyzone, the Wild West, and why he has an issue with Irish audiences. And that infamous Late Late Show appearance when Gay Byrne was a little bit rude to them, to put it mildly. So here's Jarlath Regan. My wife Blonnet is a big fan of your work, right? And uh, that's a, something Terry Wogan actually said to me. Like people what? used to come up to him and go, "My wife loves your stuff." Oh, I think it's a load of shit myself. No, 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 because I obviously I like a branch. <laughs> I, I like I like a whole branch of your stuff as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. But I don't listen to the running podcasts, okay. and I don't listen to your true crime, and I haven't listened to the parenting one. Yeah, but Blonnet has listened to them all. Oh really? Yeah, including oh, Marion McKeown. OG hardcore. Including Marion McKeown, yeah. and she doesn't really, she's not really interested in in, in, in American politics. Yeah, but well, she loves Marion's the best. Yeah, Marian. you had her on, right? Oh yeah, she's just an incredible yeah. person she and conversation. She's like she, some of her stuff when she was covering like the Middle East and all of yeah, this stuff. That's right. Her own life story is amazing. And following the MAGA crowd around. Oh, every single week, Marion delivers an yeah. hour. Of analysis on yeah. my podcast, Irish Man in under a huge giant truck. That was oh, a great story she told unbelievable. me. Unbelievable. Um, she's terrific. So you were one of the first that we know of, anyway, in this small country called Ireland. You know the shit about uh, that. You branched out into many different podcasts, and you, so you're doing multi kind of podcast mm. platforms. Yeah. So I, I definitely tell me about the running one. The I mean, running one came about in lockdown, where I was a hot yoga man uh, for about a year before. Uh, COVID arrived and suddenly hot yoga became the most dangerous thing you could do. <laughs> it's literally a cesspit of germs. And like, I mean, Mario, I, my health was going downhill mm. and all I was seeing was people out running. I was like, how are these feckers allowed exercise and I'm not? And like a lot of people listen to this, I used to look at people who were out running and think, what went wrong in that relationship? <laughs> <laughs> How would you prefer to do that than be at home yeah. and be intimate with your partner? Right. So you have a negative aspect, oh, a negative outlook on it. I really looked at them with pity and I was like, God love them. Poor old runners. My whole opinion flipped on its head in the space of two years, thanks to Sonia O'Sullivan, who I rang in Australia. She'd been on the show a couple of times and I think we'd actually done a small episode around etiquette and runners. We did a Corona pod just where we used to try and keep people around the world up to date on what the hell is happening back home with this thing. So I rang Sonia for one of those episodes about if somebody is running by you, is it dangerous when they're coughing and spluttering that you might catch this yeah. thing? And eventually I rang her back and said, hey, do you think you could teach me how to run without turning my knees to chalk? And she was adamant this can be done. Uh, it took it took two years, I think, to get to get me like properly running. Yeah. Like, like doing. Did she teach you how to run? Yes. How do you learn to run? 
slowly. <laughs> but, but you do <laughs> learn technique, answer. do you? Yes, we did a lot of episodes around form and technique and things that you can do, exercises you can do so that you don't look like a hunched over, you know, waddler. Uh, drills and uh, we had somebody on for about chi running, which was, you know, channeling your spirit through your running. All of this world of stuff opens up to me and I had never run. Like I had never run. Like I always say this to Sonia is Ireland's greatest track and field athlete ever. Literally broke every single record there is to break in the distances she ran. Won the World Cross Country Championships, long and short course, same weekend. I once twisted a testicle getting out of bed. <laughs> now we don't talk about that that much on the podcast. Yeah. But she did have her work cut out. And she is an incredibly patient woman. That's what my wife says. She's the most patient yeah. woman. She and you're, as I say, you're a tall man. You're six, three or four, at so least. T- the, the, the woman would, uh, she would assign the plan and I would upload each run to Strava, which is like the Facebook for runners. Runners who are listening will know all about it. It's the least cynical social media platform in the world. Everybody is just encouraging each other. But when you know that Sonia is checking. <laughs> Did you do your run? You're going to do it, Mario. And Cause, yeah, cause... this woman coached me from, I mean, couldn't get out of my own way to running five kilometres in under 20 minutes. Yeah, and I know how, the, how good that is. That's good. Well, it's a, it's a benchmark, definitely. Yeah, well. The people that run it faster than that, of course. But no, but it's good for a for For a, for a fellow that a, had for never dude, run. Yeah. And in the space of mm. like a year and a half. Exactly. Bananas. So now we're geared up and training for London City Marathon in April and Dublin. In, and did you do in, a half marathon or? We did a half yeah. marathon as a squad. We've our own yeah. singlets and the whole lot. We didn't put the Irishman running abroad initials yeah. on the t-shirt, on the singlets because we didn't realise what the initials of the Irishman running abroad were until we printed up the singlets. And okay. <laughs> realised that I guess that's, that's going to go well in London. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, look, the, the, yeah, the, the community that this thing has created is the other thing, Mario, that like yeah. people tune in, they run with us and then we meet up yeah. at these events, these park runs and these big ones yeah. like London. Did, and, uh, did, did running, This is some, some of this now is coming from my wife's text. Yes, right? sure, did, did, go for did, it. Did running sort your head out? Yes. Did, did you have, 100%. Did, were, were you was, down or depressed? I was seeing a therapist because of all manner of stuff that Irish lads have in their head. For example, yeah, for example, I think a lot of Irish lads have a complex about soundness. They want a legacy of soundness. Every fella is chasing it. That's why they're buying pints for each other. (laughs) That's why they're returning every WhatsApp message with a thumbs up and sound. Uh, I struggled with that for years and years and years, even after donating a kidney to my brother, which I thought would be the nail in the coffin. (laughs) (laughs) Convinced I'm a horrible person. And I was seeing a therapist for that and also the bloody performance and all of that stuff that gets in on you from, as you know, the pressure of just trying to produce over and over and over again. Started running and I can remember the first therapy session I missed because I was on a run and going, my aunt who is a therapist was like, I'd say she fucking loved you for this. But I remember thinking, I don't, I'm not going to go back to that woman. I got to run. I run at that time every week right. now. And the clarity that I was getting from that, like I still go back and see somebody every now and then when I really need it. But headspace is the big, is, okay. is the is the big return yeah. on, on running for me. 
regardless of how fast or slow you're doing it, that level of no distraction, no phone, just concentrated, rhythmic breathing. Mm. I don't want to say it's a form of meditation. Yeah. But it it has to be on some level. Yeah. And changed my life. Like, you know, definitely, Jeff definitely changed my life. Like, um, and that's partially Sonia and it's also me. Like, you got to give yourself some credit here too. (laughs) You know, other people have tried to go running and it not worked out. But I think it caught me at the right time. Planets aligned. And also, as I said, that community of friends that I have through this, like, it's just, it's just immense. Like, I can go anywhere to do a gig. (laughs) There's an Irishman abroad, running abroad listener who's ready to go. Yeah. And out we go. I love that. Oh, it's, it's yeah. epic but that's wonderful <laughs> it's incredible. That, that, that guarantees your legacy of soundness <laughs> yeah. forever exactly forget fucking giving somebody your kidney <laughs> yeah. although that was a great move well I, I brilliant do, move I, I mean yeah. you cannot the guy will on his gravestone he had to be sound he gave his kidney mm, exactly there's yeah. nobody uh, nobody can argue with that <laughs> now let's hear from Kira Kelly when was the first inkling that you were drawn to being in front of a microphone or in front of the radio? Okay, the radio thing um, was probably around 2014 for me that I that my mindset for the first time it ever entered my head. I've been contributing to the media since about 2008 because I started writing in Sunday Independent and I largely fell into that because a friend worked there. So that's a there was no great aim on, on, on my part as such. It was kind of right place, right time kind of situation. So I ended up writing for them. And so then people would ask me, because if you write an article you know you know yourself from working in, in radio people will ring you up and say hey well, you, you wrote this thing will you come on and talk and at first I thought that was very odd but then I kind of got used to it so I'd just come on and I'd chat and I'd chat about stuff and I did a lot I did a lot of different stuff I did stuff on RTE I did stuff on News Talk I did stuff on local radio but they started using me a lot on the right hook on um, uh, News Talk with George Hook largely because George doesn't like everybody and he couldn't work with everybody and, and he could only tolerate certain people. But he quite liked me. Largely, I think that was because no matter how much he insulted me, all I ever did was kind of insult him back. Do you, do you know what I mean? So that would be sort of why you had to be, he wanted you to be able for him and because he liked to push people's buttons. So, so I started doing a lot of that and they used me initially uh, like exclusively pretty much for health. But then it went on and they started using me for feminism or working parents or women stuff I don't even know what and I started being rolled and then like pop culture and then any old shite at all like literally they were like I became sort of like a a foil I think almost and around 2014 how that show's format was at that time was the Friday right hook was George and and two other panellists for the whole show and they were generally speaking Shane Coleman and Dave McIntyre who now uh, is a presenter on Sky Sports so the three of them would be in the room arguing the toss about the stories of the week for two and a half hours and and whatever way because I was used so much on the show I became kind of first sub so if Dave or Shane were off I'd step in and so I was in the room then and then after a while they just changed it so it was four of us so it was me, Shane, Dave and George and we did that for a year and a half and I realised when I was doing that first of all I was having so much fun mm. It was my favourite part of my working week. Yeah. And it didn't even feel like work. No. And I realised that the other three, this was their job. Mm. This was their 
this is their fucking job. Mm. And I was like looking at them going, you guys don't know how lucky you are that you mm. get paid to do this. Mm. And this is your job. Yeah. And also what I quite liked was as the, the token woman in the room mm. was very often it would be me taking on all three of them at once because it was kind of like that. Like I remember a woman writing into the show once and saying, you definitely have have a case there for the bullying that you've received. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't feel remotely bullied. No. But, but, but some, like sometimes it would be me taking on the three. Now yeah, I, would, yeah. I, would, I would deliberately sometimes take on the three and go, no, all three of you are talking mm. crap. So, so we did that. And I realised that even though I was a GP and I, I, I broadcast very little and they were all full-time broadcasters, that actually I could take on all three of them and I actually enjoyed it. I quite like debating. I, mm. And I don't I don't play the the man, I play the ball. I, I, I don't hold grudges. I don't care if you and I had an argument here now on air about something. I'd walk out and say, that's like... I. I I think I'm quite blokey that way. I think I just walk away from things and go, yeah, that was just work. That was just that was just like on air crap. That was banter. Yeah. It was nothing. So we yeah. would have this really good, fun Friday afternoon and it started to dawn on me that it was a job that people did and that I really kind of loved it. Mm. And an inkling. Now, there was no opportunities, by the way, on the cards at the time. And in fact, many, many people told me, this will never happen. You will. This will never. You're not a. You're not a politician. You're not a journalist. You've none of the background things that you would need at your stage in life to go into what you're talking about doing. Yeah. It's never going to happen. So, um, but that was when the inkling kind of started in my head. Wow, I wouldn't Good. mind. I wouldn't mind doing that. I mm. actually like that a lot. Felt like fun. Yeah, felt like not it did, working. It beat working hands down. It's funny actually. I told you that there's some people listening to the podcast. George Hook is on the line. Say hello to him. <laughs> hello, George. Good to hear you back on the air. Yeah, Kira, it's great to be back. I'm lovely to know that you are a fellow bloviatrix. <laughs> you know what happened to the golden days when you were on the radio? Talking about lumps on my testicles. I believe it was your itchy scrotum most of the time, George. But but nonetheless, yes, it's, it's good times, as they say. Really good times. Colourful radio when we called a spade a spade. Not allowed to say that, George. Stop. Well, that's why I'm here and you're there. <laughs> yes. But do you not miss the old house? Uh, I'm out in the shed. I have a men's shed back in Hookie's house. Uh, uh, Ivan Yates and Kevin Myers are here with Johnny Waters. We've all been cancelled and we're all drinking Bishop's Finger Pale Ale and we can tell them all to fuck off. <laughs> well, if anyone should be kissing the, the Bishop's Ring, it would be all four of you. No, there's, there's, there's no doubt, George, and fair Fair play to you all. I can fair only. Balls, I, I, I was going to say fair balls. Who who would not want to be a fly on the wall of that that shed? That is an interesting. It's it's you know the fly. We had a discussion with the fly about gender dysphoria. Oh Jesus! The fly thought it was a woman fly. He also thought he was a day or a cisgender fly, and we eventually just swatted him. <laughs> George. Yeah. You need to steer well clear of things that you simply don't understand. That's yeah. what I would say to you. And in fact, George Hook, speaking of George, one of the bits of advice he gave me at the beginning, and he was right, was this. He said, just be yourself. He said, some people will like you, some people won't like you. And if more of them like you than don't, then you're on a bit of a winner. But if you fake it, they'll see through you yeah. and they won't like you anyway. Mm. So there's no point in faking it. There's yeah. no point in fucking pretending to be something you're not because they're going to... you you And you can kind of tell that in person. You know what I mean? You can yeah, kind of tell it's, if someone... It's actually... And it's, it's, that's um, analogous to something Jim Carrey said about going for careers. He said, uh, what do you want to do in your life? Well, listen, go for what you want to do in your life because 
there's every chance you might fail as an accountant anyway. Yeah. So why not fail yes. at going for your dream? So, 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 so just be yourself and, you know, if enough people like you, you're winning and that's, and that's fine. Um, you're right. In the beginning, I said I, I touched on the fact that I was told it'll never happen, and and yeah. and, and, and some Who of that. Who are you told that by? Don't say that. Don't say the name. Just say, is it somebody in the business? It, people in the business, yeah. and some of that was because they said, "Kira, you're fine as a kind of a contributor, and, and like they, we like you as a contributor. We want you because we want someone to stir a pot." And we have opinion male broadcasters, but no one will tolerate a female opinion broadcaster. They won't tolerate it. I mean, they, they barely tolerate us having opinions at all, let alone ones occasionally that they disagree with. So, so, so that it's not going to happen. And, that, and I was kind of told, and I was told that I would need to soften myself and I would need to do things if I was going to become acceptable, really. Now, in fairness time has marched on and, and a few things have happened. I, actually, I think I probably have softened a bit because I think I've probably mellowed with age to some extent. I'm much less, partly I couldn't give a shit, you know what I mean? Like, if, 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 like I'm not angry about anything. I don't really care if you don't agree with me. Suppose I said to you, I really feel passionately that something or other should happen and you say, no, I absolutely disagree. I'd be like, grand. I don't really care whether people agree or not. And when I was younger I kind of was, I kind of felt for some reason, no, I should try and convince yeah. you of, of what I'm saying. But I don't give a shit, you're entitled to your own opinion. So I'm much more mellow on that front. So maybe I have mellow but also time has marched on. And I actually think that unconscious bias that you're talking about and I think it was very, very much a situation. in There used to be even women newsreaders in Ireland and the reason there wasn't women newsreaders was because people said no one will believe them. And, and so that tells you something about the Jesus amount of trust and, 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 and credibility what that women... A, what a beautiful one that is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What? That's only gossip. They're only making it up. Sure, she wouldn't know. President would Gorbachev today <laughs> said he's interested in opening up the Soviet Union. Bullshit. It's a woman telling me. It's yeah. just gossip. I'll have to check that. Have to check that fat, with Tony. Fat, fat Tony, check. this Gorbachev fella, is it for real or what? Well, she was right. Jesus. How did she know that? She must have picked it up from she the husband. She must have some the husband told her. So, so there was all of that. So, But I think Ireland has moved on. Like my, I have a 20-year-old daughter. I don't think she has anything like the upbringing I had. When I was in my teens in the 80s, how women were viewed was wholly different. Really wholly different. And, and, and many, many battles have been fought and won by, by, for women's position in Irish society. So I think... I suspect I might have been slightly, I don't, I don't want to sound like a wanker, ahead of my time as in, I, I suspect more women opinion broadcasters will come through the ranks behind me. Yeah. I, I might be there now, but I think yeah. more will come. Well, this is what I wanted to kind of shine a light on. You see, you can't say it about yourself because it sounds like you're blowing your own trumpet, but you are the only one and you have established yourself. And and yes, for that may may more come. Just to, just finish this off though about, about the 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 pushiness and the ambition uh, that is perceived as an unconscious bias. Did you come across that yourself? I mean, I mean, surely you did. In I, texts I and in trolling and all that sort of oh, stuff. Who the hell is he? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a lot of trolls and if you're a woman, there's even, I mean, you probably get trolled. Everyone gets trolled. Yeah. You can't be in the public eye without people having a pop at you. It's just I, I actually actively, I've said this before, but uh, people say, do you look at yourself online and everything? And I've always said, because I can't, I can't say, I can't lie. Go so I go, yes. I Google myself online. Do you? I don't. Yeah, I of, genuinely uh, don't. People don't understand that. And I go, why would I Google myself? Well, one of the reasons I Google myself is to see what the newspapers have written about me oh, today, yeah. right? So to see if, if if there's anything that I should need to correct. Well, there is that. <laughs> oh, look, I don't now, even you, read it. No, you're not even interested. I don't even read it. I don't care. And, and I don't want to know, actually, because yeah. I see... The other thing is, I don't think I could do my job because I think it would... 
filter me. If I was reading all the negative comments, I think I might start to second guess myself or or you know kind of recalibrate myself in some mm. way to 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 because I think that's the chilling effect of those those things that mm. it has on people. Oh yes. So so I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't want to recalibrate so that I'm popular on Twitter because okay. that would make me an arse. Okay. So a, I don't want to do that. A related subject. You hold opinions. I do. It is your job. Yes. So I'm not even ascribing to the I, I'm not ascribing the opinion holding to you as a person even though you probably do hold opinions. It's your job. You get as Roy Keane would say, it's her job. She has opinions. That's what she does at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's her job. So you have to have opinions. Um but holding opinions nowadays is kind of similar to the Second Amendment in the United States about the right to bear arms. Mm. You are immediately asking to be shot in the face <laughs> if you have any opinion. So this morning, like, so, so did you hear what she said about St. Patrick's Day? St. <laughs> Patrick's Day Festival, apparently now it's all, it's all being identity politics and diversity. And St. Patrick is gone with his cook, crook and meter and stick. Now it's all like, it looks like Rio de Janeiro or whatever. And this is, of course, the homogenising of culture, in yeah. my view. Uh, yeah, you're right. And, and but... Uh, my my, and maybe I'm wrong. My my read on this is is that the pendulum is swinging, that if you've survived the the, the backlash that has existed for the last I don't know five odd years, maybe something like that. There's been five or six years of backlashes that have been quite strong uh, over anybody who who didn't kind of subscribe to to approved opinion, approved thought. Um, if you survive that, because I think people are getting sick of being told what to think. And by the way. I don't say that as some kind of a dog whistle at all because we all want to be racists. I don't want to be racist. Really, really dislike racism. Really, really dislike homophobia. Really, really dislike those things. But I also dislike being lectured by nameless, faceless arbiters online who tell me how I can say things, what words I must use. You know, they want to... And and it's a form of, to be honest, four legs bad, two legs good. It's a form of Orwellian authoritarianism that... You know, it's very bad, and I, I totally mean this when I say this. It's very bad to persecute people on the grounds of of ethnicity, religion, race, gender, sexual. That's that's bad. Let's let's accept that. Completely bad, yeah. right? But it is also stupid to to think that every person on the planet thinks the same, and that if you're going to persecute people from for their thoughts, that that's okay because that is communist China, that is Stalinist Correct. Russia, and they have killed millions of people in the pursuit of us all thinking the same. And you know what? It still hasn't worked. We don't. And you have to allow people. I want to live in a liberal democracy that respects the rights of other people, including the right of free speech, right up to the point of speech that I don't particularly like, where I would draw the line, but it is only one small line. It is hate speech and incitement to hatred or violence. That's the only line I would draw because other than that, you are starting to creep in the in the way of authoritarianism that is that is different authoritarianism. And I don't like any... To be honest, I don't even like authority. I don't like being told what to do by any fucker. Mm. And it doesn't really matter which side of whatever they sit on. And that's the truth. Okay, let's go to Keith Duffy. <laughs> but anyway, we took Very the character good. to another level because the other thing I, 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 when I'm always doing a character, I'm thinking, well, what else is there in, what, what else do I feel in this person? And that is that, and this is, this is kind of a little bit more made up by me now, but there's a truth behind it usually. And that is, you know, the way, um, like you're from Donna Mead, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think you'd, you'd happily describe yourself as from a working class background. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and you have a Dublin accent. Yes, but it's softened quite a lot now. I think it has, yeah. But a lot of people with Dublin accents sometimes adopt a slightly more formal voice. 
sometimes when they're in public. Call it their posh telephone voice. Okay. And that is when they're explaining something. They actually kind of slightly tailor their voice to make sure that the person that is listening to them knows you're not talking to a dope here. And so this is what we, we invented this thing called Keithypedia. Keithypedia was basically, if you have a problem understanding something really complex, Keith will explain it to you in his posh voice. So <laughs> In his phone voice. Yeah, in his yeah. phone voice. So Ian would go, right, I don't know if anybody understands, because I don't understand this Nice treaty. Does anybody understand? Oh, Keith does. Keith, Nice, explain. How are you, buddies? Nice is easy. Nice is a treaty, as opposed to your brother Porig's daughter, Orla. Right? Treaty is an agreement, as opposed to a Mars bar you have decided to eat after a workout that lasts four hours and all this. So we would go on and explain these words. So it's kind of putting on an extra posh I've, I've actually heard a few. They've you understand been, they, they, what they, I am talking they've about. They've been copied and they've been WhatsApped to me <laughs> while while I've been away touring and not knowing what's going on in the morning. There you are. <laughs> you are doing it now, buddies. I know. Well, you know, a lot of the softening of the Dublin accent yeah. was working most of my career outside of Ireland. Mo- you know, most predominantly in the UK, and having to repeat yourself if you stay in your Dublin accent. Okay. So if you don't want to have to say things two or three Spell times, spell it out more. Just you know, pronunciate yeah. your yeah. vowels better. Yeah. And just talk, yeah. talk better. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Now yeah. there's another side to that as yeah. well. When you're grown up in Donegal, and you know, my mum and dad tried their best to give us the best childhood we could we could ask for. Um, they didn't have a lot of money, but they certainly gave us plenty of love and whatever. But we did live in areas um, where you know you might have gangs that hang out together and a little bit rougher than the way I was brought up. And you would actually. Um, uh, put on a little bit more of a Dublin accent you know what I mean yeah uh, just when you're kind of talking to people just to make yourself sound a bit tougher you know what I'm saying no it's right. no problem it's, it's, an it's an insecurity because you're afraid that they're going to like bully you or beat you up and all you know what I'm saying nobody's going to fucking bully you right not with you with me I know but if I'm on my own you got a phone, have you? I got a, why? Give us your fucking phone. No, fucking why? Give us your phone. No. Give us your fucking phone. Oh, hurry, hurry, here you go. <laughs> We've just made another podcast there. <laughs> there you go. Two guys talking about having their phone stolen. Yeah. But it was usually, it was usually my trainers in the start of Boys yeah. On but just walk, a- walking down the Donamede to Tote Junction train station and I, I grew up in a place called Grangemore mm. um, in, in Donamede um, it wasn't really Donamede it was the church side of Donamede and it was the wrong side of Rohini you know I think <laughs> Rohini would have been the posh answer you know where are you from uh, Rohini look look at the first night that infamous night on the Late Late Show when Boys On were on with Gayborn for the first time yes. and he went by what's your name Keith Duffy where are you from Rohini Shane Lynch, where are you from? Rohini. Shane and I grew up in Donamede. Mark Walton, who was in Boyzone at the time, he was from Grange Abbey, which is part of Donamede. Yeah. Right? The three of us all said Rohini. Yeah. <laughs> and that was because you were trying to keep... You were we, were trying, we, were, we were trying to put our, our, our phone voices on. Unbelievable. <laughs> it, it wasn't a planned thing. Rohini, well done. Yeah, well, yeah. It wasn't here planned. Here they are. Can't sing, can't play. Go, go nowhere. Yeah. You saw them here first and then, and then you know, the whole country just yeah. turned against us then. Yeah. What, what? Yeah, I was just wondering, like, you know the way they say that Take that is it? Just a marketing yeah. package. That's right. Very well marketed. Yes. Is this going to be the this same thing? This is exactly thing? the same. Yes. Yeah. They go. Or is, well is there some realistic talent? Or no, there's no talent whatsoever. 
<laughs> Nothing. They've no, they've no talent whatsoever. They don't sing, they don't, they don't uh, write music, and they don't play instruments. And they'll they probably be very successful. Sorry, you don't play any instruments or have any songs? No. no. You do. They don't. They don't. They're lying. They don't. Just a little respect, please. Yeah. Yes? Sorry about that. No, I thought they might be more like the Chippendales on them, bother with what's that. <laughs> Listen, what do you expect? Come on, they're only starting, you know what I mean? <laughs> no. If you look back on that clip, right, you don't have to answer this because I'll answer it for you. He was fucking cruel to you. Absolutely. He was I, mean I, I, as... He was absolutely I, I, awful. Absolutely, I have no problem saying that. He, he was, was so, awful. He was so condescending totally. to, to 17 and 18-year-old boys yeah. that had a dream that had been told that they're going to have their life change. The Thursday night before, everybody knows the Late Late Show's on live on a Friday night. The Thursday night before is when the six that, the six that went on the Late Late Show were the final of auditions that had gone on for months. And we were the final six. And when we found out we were the final six on the Thursday evening in the Ormond print works that's gone now across the keys there um, and Louis Walsh said okay guys the first thing you're doing as a band is you're on the Late Late Show tomorrow night and we're going but we haven't recorded anything we haven't done anything we only have to like me and Shane grew up together so we knew each other but we didn't know the rest of the lads I said what are we going to do and he goes ah, it doesn't matter just we'll put you on the TV make something up and that's the way it was and Shane's sister Tara was a, a dance choreographer at the time and there was a song that was in the, in, in the nightclubs at the time that we all loved and we thought maybe we'll put some sort of a, a choreographed dance together and, and just do that yeah. thinking that we'd get away with it but yeah. we were naive yeah. and innocent and vulnerable yeah. and, and, and lovable obviously you were and, um, and yeah and Gay was so looking back on it now he, he, had it been my kid on I would have been disgusted with him because you. we were under 18 we weren't even we weren't even you know adults we couldn't we, we couldn't vote and yet we're on an adult evening Love TV the way show you say vote. and um, vote <laughs> I finished my, that was my phone so voice you're too, you're too, yeah, you see you could have said we couldn't vote vote yeah no but you said we couldn't vote yeah I don't want to say it twice <laughs> Um, and he was he was so condescending and hard. And at the time, we were so innocent and naive, we didn't even notice it. It was only years later when that show and that clip has been shown to us a million times. You kind of think, my God, when you look back on that now and you look at the success that we had, whether you think we deserve it or not, whether you're a fan of ours or not, notice the way I say not, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, we, we were young kids doing no harm. And, 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 and how can somebody like that, a main broadcaster of a tiny country, absolutely rip us asunder? Absolutely. It was, it I was thought terrible. he was a Mino, a, yeah. a real no, Mino. He was, he was. And, now, he, and he rinsed in, you. In fairness, we didn't feel that at the time. Right. It's years later looking back on it. But then we, we couldn't get arrested in Ireland then. Nobody wanted Ireland to have a pop group. We were very, very happy with our exports in the music business, such as U2 and Sinead O'Connor and Therapy and, you know, Van Morrison and whoever, you know, very credible singer-songwriters. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden now we've got a pop group they don't sing their own music they don't play instruments on stage um, this is this is crap we don't want to get behind these guys now whether you like that kind of music or not it, you don't have to nobody was forced to buy a ticket or to listen to us so why there was so much um um, animosity against us I don't really know because we were kids mm. now it did change over the years when you see the likes of One Direction coming out all those years later and all of a sudden it was okay for a boy a male to like a boy band yes. you know what I mean that wasn't actually gay Yes. you know all of a sudden it was cool and it was okay to say I really like yes. uh, even towards the end of Westlife because Westlife went on for nearly 14 years as yeah. far as I can remember and even by the end of their first run out um, there, was, there, was, uh, there was people saying it was cool to be fan of a boy band and, and Westlife being that boy band but but like I had this this conversation at Slam at Robbie Williams and myself and Dave Fanning were hanging out together mm. and I was trying to educate Dave Fanning on why it's okay to like boy zone even if you don't like the music we are individuals we are people we've sold 
God knows how many million tickets we've entertained and and like we get we meet people and go my God we had your song at our wedding uh, a very unfortunate story my my nana listened to your song as she passed away you know we our songs have meant so much to people that liked us that it was okay if you didn't like us just leave us do the stuff that we do for the people that do like us yeah nobody's now, fairness, I think Dave Fanning would appreciate that no he did appreciate yeah. it and he understood completely hang on a second when you sell out seven nights in Wembley in a row you know what I mean and you and you went for for a stage for for a moment for a time in Dublin you know down in the old point depot I think we sold nine nights in a row and yeah. U2's record was seven yeah. or something so they put a big plaque on the wall outside yeah. saying boys on it beating U2's record now if U2 wanted to do 25 nights yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they probably could yeah. but it was just a statement they were making to keep the popularity yeah. of the band going now I think two years later they replaced our plaque with Westlife's plaque saying they, they did 12 nights yeah. in a row yeah. but the point is there was a time when we were very popular in Ireland yeah. now in the UK what I've realised and noticed is uh, with nostalgia or whatever you want to call it, Brian and I, what we do now with Boys Life, yeah. we're still selling out. We're still yeah. we're having a great time yeah. where people can actually appreciate what we did. Yeah. And if they were a fan at the time, yeah. they're going back to reminisce about when they were 16 and, and the great time that they had. But for some reason in Ireland, people don't want any of that nostalgia. So we don't work here. So yeah. as a result, we don't work at Okay, Ireland. I was going to go here later, but let's go here now. Okay, fine. I, 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 and I didn't know you were going there. Sorry for that. No, no, you're <laughs> going there now. So I'm going to... You're taking me by the hand and, and leading me through the gate, so I'll go there then. And this is actually one of the, the interesting things I wanted to talk to you about. That you do feel strongly ab- about this about this idea that that there is that, that the begrudgery is alive and well in Ireland, and that you say when when you go out into town, you don't know you don't know if you're going to be offered a pint or a dig. I said that once, and it's come back to me a million times. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, but but well, let me get in there for a second. Okay, I'm really saddened by that. I mean that really. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. You are. You know, you are, as far as I would consider, you are beloved by many people in Ireland. And I don't know, and I think it's sad that, 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 that your experiences would, would, would in some way reflect that. Um, you know, like it's, it's clear that, like, for example, Boys Life are a success. You guys are selling out where, where a lot of the places you go and you're p- performing to big crowds. I'll talk to you about Qatar in a minute. You were asked to go out and play bloody Qatar in the World Cup on the 18th of December. It's brilliant. So what is it about this, about Ireland then? I don't know. And, and I don't want anybody to think that I've a chip on my shoulder about it. It's not like that at all. I'm a very, very proud Irishman. I love our heritage. I, I love our humour. I, I, mm. lo- I love your humour. Mm. I, love, I love coming home. We're a special country. We have a great hospitality about us. We have a great family community feeling about us. But sometimes we're not very kind to ourselves. Mm. And, 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 you know, I'm living, I'm living proof of that. But are you not you loved know? when you walk into a bar? And, Absolutely in, not. No, 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 no. I mean, if you go outside Dublin it's a lot kinder Is it's it? a lot kinder if I go outside Dublin if I'm down in Cork for example or if I'm up in Donegal and I go into a pub for a pint or whatever I get a much warmer reception yeah. than I do if I go into you know suburbs of Dublin bars let's say now it's not every time it's not all the time and it's not every person you can't generalise like that mm. there are certain what people what about there's big handsome Keith Duffy I mean you're a really handsome ver- guy I very rarely get that one now to be you're fair. a really handsome guy well not in Dublin you know you're not handsome in Dublin well no, I don't get that compliment in Dublin <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's, they're, they're calling you a right. That's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, listen, I'm very down to earth. I've never got too caught up with myself in the job that I do. Even you Which know, is another nice thing about you. Yeah, but that's down to my upbringing, I suppose. It's down to Irish mammies. Mm. You know, they, 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 they keep their boys' feet on the mm. ground, you know. And you, you start to see if, if by, you know, we've worked a great deal away from Ireland. So we've got to meet a lot of international stars and people in the same business. And you can see... Um, 
you know, the guys that are decent and nice and, and, and grounded, how they treat the people around are them. Are we too cynical here in Ireland or something? To ourselves. Yeah. Just to ourselves. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Bono said the difference between America and Ireland. Yeah. And he looks up at the big house on the hill and the American says, someday I'm going to be that guy on the hill. And the Irish guy guys goes, someday I'm going to get that fucker on the hill. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the story. And I thought it was a very funny story, mm. but I th- I thought that situation only re- on, only kind of represented us. It was so funny mm. after experiencing begrudgery in From this country. Bono, that Bono, that Bono had, had said. Yeah. And I thought, well, Bono, but Bono plays instruments on stage. Bono, Bono writes songs. <laughs> Bono, Bono's okay. a rock star. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's not because I'm in a boy band. Yeah. So you'll have to come up with a better excuse. Yeah. It's not that we're a boy band yeah. or a pop group. Yeah. You just don't want to like us, yeah. you know, yeah. because you're giving Bono the same shit that you're giving us. At the end of the day, I have experienced negativity, unfortunately, in my hometown that I'm very proud of. Yeah, you and didn't I, give, I, you know, the negativity, you didn't give it the posh pronunciation. Negativity? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I can't spell it the other way, only that oh, way. Negativity. Negativity. Buddies. You know, I mean, I thought that was a play at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph, Mary and the negativity. <laughs> now let's hear from MEP Maria Walsh when she talked to me earlier this year. Now, just after you became Rosa Trillia, am I right in saying this, that you came out publicly? Publicly, yeah. yeah for, not privately. For, yeah, private. I had been living as a gay woman for multiple years. Um, but when I you fr- say that now, what does that mean? Like I, well, I came actually quite late. Uh, I, I met a, I met a woman when I was living in Philadelphia. Um, so from 2012, I was um, in a in a female relationship um, and had told all my family and my friends. That was since you were 25, then. Uh, yeah, by 24, 25. Yeah, and, and just briefly before that, just before that, about uh, uh, when did you? Uh, was that the first time you'd come out? To anybody? Yeah, well, that's the first time I had met someone who was the same sex as me and who I was attracted to. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. That's late. I know, I know. Okay. Thanks, thanks for shaming me there, Mark. No, no, I'm, I'm only investigating. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I can. I'm sure people uh, listening would feel the same. So I when actually, you were 14, did you not feel? No, I feel an attraction towards towards women. No, I always had a, an admiration and it wasn't really an attraction. I had an mm. admiration towards, I used to work as a waitress from, from a very young age mm. um, in a guest house near me and, and I was, always admired strong, independent women. Yep. And, and for me, it wasn't about a sexual attraction. Um, mm. It was more about, oh, I love how they carry themselves yeah. or they're, you know, they really hold their own. Mm. Um, and it was only when I met... And I, I should say, at, at various points, even in college or when I first moved to New York City at, uh, at 21, I, I always had a very balanced view of if I meet somebody and that person makes me happy. It was never about a gender for me. Wasn't it? It really wasn't. Um, I mean, do you mind me asking, did you feel in, Did you feel that towards men or a man? Well, I was attracted to men. Yeah, you know, were I had, you? I had dated men um, uh, very short periods of time. Yeah. Um, and I always felt, oh, well, they're not for me or it just didn't feel right or, um, you know, in the romantic setting, it just didn't it didn't feel yeah, comfortable in I know, it. Click, and then when you met this person, and I met this person, and, 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 and something kind of came together in your mind, which went, "This is right." Yeah, I, I, I met her, and uh, she happened to be playing football in Philadelphia that summer, um, like that great program that brings uh, great players out to Irish cities and Irish American cities, and and I happened, I introduced myself, and I was like, for whatever reason, I had um, an energy towards her. Uh, is the best way to describe it, um, and not not long after then then uh, we started dating. And, and did you ask her out? 
I did, yeah. Yeah, she didn't do so, it. No, no. But she ac- uh, thanks again. But thanks she again for stressing. Uh, but she she accepted. She said she did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she, we dated for about two and a half years. So at some point over that period, she <laughs> said, "Yeah, grand. I, I guess I could call you my girlfriend." At some stage of the stalking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At some stage of like knocking mm. at the door. This must have been like a huge kind of voyage of discovery for you that happened quite quickly. So from from realizing that the person, this person that has entered my life, I'm attracted to them, and it mm. feels. Like, to paraphrase, right. Hmm. Then to move to asking them out and then to kind of being out with them. Yeah, I jumped to multiple steps. Yes, and to be you, honest were, with you were I going mean, through multiple steps very quickly. Yeah, and for full transparency, I, I, I believe in therapy um, and talk therapy in particular. And uh, I'm probably working through, I am working through a lot of those missteps even now. Um, because mm. for me, it just, I accepted it. Um, it was no, no surprise to me, but when you look at that, I I, I blocked uh, or compartmentalised a you, lot of big feelings. I, I, that's very interesting. Mm. That's something I haven't heard talked about much. And I'll, I'll just plough in completely unknowing what I'm saying almost. But did you, exper- space, Mario. Did, you have a, space. did you have any experience of shame or, mm. or and on the other term, joy? So, for example, I'm trying to imagine what it's like being in that situation where you go, I've jumped all these steps. But I now feel ashamed because uh, of of how I how I didn't feel for all those earlier years in my life. Or alternatively, you could go. Now I feel this incredible sense of joy that I've discovered who I am. Yeah, for the first time, a powerful question. Uh, For the first time, I felt uh, joy in the presence, in the in the present, I should say, Um, where I was really excited to walk the streets in, of Philadelphia with a person that I was building a partnership with. That was the first time I had felt that. But within all of that, I also felt a very sense, uh, a very heavy sense of guilt yeah. and not necessarily for uh, the missteps, but I I was really excited about this new chapter in my life. And because I was living away from home and, you know, in, in some ways because... I really wanted to uh, share with my family, but I wanted to do it right uh, uh, and sit sit everybody down and say I've met this person. Um, but I wasn't able to do that until the Christmas time. Um, so every time I get a great phone, time for it, Maria. Great time for yeah, everybody's busy. The shrewd Christmas dinner, <laughs> and by the way, Dad. Well, I have a story to there. I couldn't get anybody around the table. I was like, I would like everybody. I just want to, you know chat to everybody and they're like we're too busy for you Maria so I had to start picking people off one by one it, it was actually they just ruined my 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 cl- closet moment and Maria this was about your partner not it's, about your sexuality it was so or was it no about well it was, it was kind of about both like I had met somebody and I wanted to introduce them um, and and I didn't really rationalise the fact that now I'm a gay woman the the the, the putting of a box didn't really happen for me Um and which looking back now, I can say I jumped so many steps because probably guilt, uh, probably internal shame. Um, I would be hard pressed to find somebody who is of LGBTI plus community um, who, who, and I don't, I shouldn't generalise, but let me personalise for myself. You know, there was a sense of, at various points, homophobia of myself. An internal homophobia, mm. um, oh, which is which is which is really a shame, uh, hatred towards being different um, or feeling different. Um, when you start putting words onto how you feel in a in a sexual orientation way, I think comes 
a lot of heavy societal pressure, some inherited, some generational. Um, and But I remember sitting down, um, my younger brother is also gay. Um, so two out of four in our family. Da, da, da. Um, and I remember telling him and my sister and there was a sense of, oh, well, you know, just, you know, enjoy your life and don't tell anybody. Um, and then my sister quickly moved on to an issue she was going on with, with her boyfriend at the time. And I was like, oh, my God, it's hard to get a break here uh, to, for everybody just to say, Jesus, let's sit down with this information. Um, then I told uh, my mom asked me and I think uh, that's true. I think one parent always perhaps figures it out a little bit sooner than the other. Um, she'd asked and, uh, and and we went through that conversation. And, and I knew I was never going to be fortunately going to be ostracised or kicked out of the house or but there was going to be a weirdness because people have to adjust you know um, myself as well as my my family and then when I when I spoke to my dad um, it was fascinating to me because you know I I'm of I'm, I'm of spirituality I I I, I go into Catholic Church uh, I, I go to confession I I challenge some of their teachings um, but for me there's a sense of belonging there um, and you know one of the first questions and we didn't grow up in a religious household by any means but one of the first questions were you know what about uh, what about you know religion and then what about your job will you be alone um, will you ever have kids all of these big questions and I, I, I remember at the time having a profound sense of calmness towards it all knowing that I have to I have to be calm Um and saying at any point, I don't know the answers to these and you got to give me time to figure them out, uh, but know that I will be fine and everything will be fine. Um, and when I talk to and I do a lot of Q&A's, particularly over my Rosa Tree year and then and, and now as as a political rep, um, I get asked about my orientation all the time. One being, I love this question. It's like, how can you be gay and then not drink? So I'm a pioneer. So I abstain since yes. uh, for for life. And and there, you know, which I don't, is, I don't link though. I've never linked those two in yeah, that Venn diagram. Well, well, it was more this. I I, I often get it and I love it because it usually mm. comes from uh, the Joker in the classroom, and he's like, I just don't understand how you couldn't have drink and then go up and and make out with someone of the same sex. You like, <laughs> how does that work? And then culturally, actually, when you look at the Irish. That's so perfect <laughs> like for it, Ireland. Yeah, yeah, it's like I'll tell you. I'd say I'd need. <laughs> hold on now, Maria. Hold on, Maria. Because I've worked it out actually mathematically. Yeah, I'd say I'd need sixteen pints, right? <laughs> Four shots and three Jägermeisters before I'd get off with Ian Dempsey. Yeah. But why aren't you drinking? Yeah. Well, and then you get into, you know, over the years it's been. I don't understand, particularly in America. Are you a recovering alcoholic? Yes, because you're Irish. Um, did you come from a family of a of alcoholics? Yes. That's why you don't drink. Um, I don't understand. I'm really unsure about you. Definitely, I don't and know that what exists in Ireland in. as well, Maria. Oh, absolutely, but you know it's what? rife. The, but there is yeah. more and more. I mean, uh, for example, I think um, in the last 30, 20 years, and even maybe more specifically, ten, a lot more kids these days uh, take care of themselves physically. They're so health conscious. Yeah. More health conscious. Yeah. Boys so, in particular. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of boys and girls are well used Skilled. to to being together and saying, I actually don't drink. Yeah. And it's, why? Well, back well, in one my of the day. Is I go to the gym and you don't. <laughs> yeah. So so actually it's perfectly normal now. Yeah. And I think that's a really healthy part of oh, our society. I think, a, I think it's a gorgeous part and much mm. needed. If you haven't heard the full versions of the interviews from this episode, I would highly encourage you to listen back. And of course, there are so many other interviews to catch up on with some of the greatest talents and storytellers out there. 
And if you like what you hear, please do hit the follow button on whatever platform you're listening on and leave a rating or review if you can as well. It's so valuable to help us grow this podcast and our audience and allowing more people to discover it. Um, And just tell one other person, if you can, about this podcast, if you're enjoying it. Thanks very much. 